Later in the day, after the market closed on Wednesday, Elon tweeted something about vehicle emissions and breathing them in if you're behind another vehicle in traffic. Um, and he he tweeted from his own account, replying to the Tesla account, which appeared to have been tweeted from his phone, most likely. So he was sort of talking to himself. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast hello and welcome to episode number 45 of the tesla q podcast it's been far too long since i've had a new episode so we have a lot to cover today i have no guests on the show today it's just me but i I have a lot to talk about so as always if you want to help support the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash tesla q podcast and if you want some shorty merchandise you can go to the shorty store at evacuationboy.com One thing that I've got on the Patreon page is my short idea watch list, and that's available to patrons at the $2.10 per month level and higher. It currently has about 25 names on the short list, seven of which I have actual short positions in, and it has five potential long positions. Uh, It's just ideas. As always, it's not investment advice, just ideas of some things you might want to take a look at on your own. There was a new short report put out by Spruce Point Capital yesterday, September 5th, 2019, and that was for Church and Dwight. So they are calling it a strong sell. I haven't read it yet. I they have uh I, I will say that Spruce Point has had some nice success with some of their short calls over the past several years. Uh went on vacation a couple weeks back and looked at a few of their previous reports and they do have a lot of research behind them and are pretty well written. They're just a little bit long. It's hard to hard to get to the gist of, of what their short thesis is sometimes. Uh, definitely takes more than a few minutes to read through them. Uh, and of course, not all recommendations are created equal. So being a, a well-thinking person, I recommend that you take a look at ideas and pick the ones that you like and make a decision from there. And on the topic of being on vacation a few weeks ago, that's why I haven't put out an episode lately. Went on vacation, and then when I got back from vacation, had to catch up on things. So that stopped some of the the great momentum that I had started with the podcast. Uh, With the last three interviews that I've done with Malaya Lukoski, Christina Ballon, and Carl Hansen, had a lot of momentum going, and then, then took a vacation and trying to get back into it now. So I've got like two and a half or three weeks of, of stuff to cover. So with that, uh, mentioning Carl Hansen, how does his GoFundMe campaign, how has it not picked up more traction? That That's shocking to me. I actually just listen, re-listened to the interview with him earlier this week. I'm recording this late in the evening on Friday, September 6th, 2019. It's actually after midnight, so it's September 7th, but the end of the day on Friday. Uh, the last update was episode 44 and that was recorded on august 13th i'm not sure exactly which day it was but sometime around that time plain sight revealed that the now you know guys have a producer who actually works for tesla 
Uh, and that was per that guy's LinkedIn page. It said that he was employed by Tesla and that he also was a producer of the Now You Know YouTube channel. So that's a little interesting tidbit. Another thing that happened right around that same time is I I tried to formalize the use of a .d after a, a cash tag to indicate a short idea that's not likely to go bankrupt, so it's not necessarily worthy of a Q. While I was on vacation on August 18th, Elon Musk tweeted that Tesla Solar had relaunched and he asked people to let him know what they think. So that keep that in mind. I think it, it was actually... It's either late late in the day on August 17th or early in the morning on the 18th. Not exactly sure. I, I think Elon had had a deposition the very day before on Saturday the 17th, which was about the Tesla Solar City lawsuit. So keep that in mind as that'll play into another topic that we'll get to in just a little bit. On Tuesday, August the 20th, I bought some $220 weekly puts after seeing that volume of Tesla shares had had been pretty weak that day. Similarly to Tuesday, August the 13th, just a week before, both times, ultimately, I ended up doing well with those positions, or pretty well with those positions. Got kind of lucky to have bought them mostly because of the, the volume drying up, but it ended up being shortly before news came out. So on August 20th, news came out that Walmart was suing Tesla for Solar City panels that had been installed on some of their stores. They had had seven different fires and Walmart had had to request that Tesla deactivate 200 something installations on their stores. This was a, a big news story at the time. It's faded to the background now. Late in, in that very same week, there was a joint statement that came out from Tesla and from Walmart. So I, I think a lot of people have just assumed that that joint statement meant that Walmart's trying to play nice with Tesla. I'm not sure that's actually the case. There was a filing yesterday that Plainsight pointed out. I forget exactly what it was about, but it doesn't exactly sound like Walmart's totally going away in this deal. Per the, the tracking down that Plainsight's been doing, Tesla hit 700 total legal actions right around the same time. I'm not sure if those are each individual suits, but those are entries on the Plainsight website. I'm sure some of them are extremely minor. So on that, that Wednesday, August 21st, Tesla's share price did go down in response to that lawsuit being announced. The very next day, on Thursday, August 22nd, there before the market opened, there were some ridiculous rumors that Volkswagen was considering buying out Tesla. And th- this article in some German magazine came out the same day that apparently James Anderson of Bailey, Gif- Bailey Gifford had suggested in some manner or another that, that Elon not be the CEO, which he's, he's alluded to that previously. I forget the exact verbiage he used this time, but those buyout rumors from Volkswagen had a pretty big share price impact in the pre-market, but ultimately they proved to to not amount to much of anything. And my guess is that they were put out there, one, to distract from the Walmart lawsuit, or two, to distract from James Anderson calling for Elon to step down as CEO. Not 
maybe not in those exact words, but that was the gist of what he was saying. Probably more likely it was to distract from the Walmart lawsuit. And it, it somewhat successfully did that. But by the end of the day, I don't think anybody truly believed that Volkswagen was considering buying out Tesla. There were even, uh, there was even a number thrown out that was like $30 billion, which purchasing Tesla at an enterprise value of $30 billion would be a share price of like 110 bucks or 105 bucks or something. So a lot lower than what Tesla's share price actually is. So with people recognizing that rumor for what it was, which was a bunch of baloney, the very next day there was some China news. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it caused the overall market to go down quite a bit. And Tesla went down considerably on Friday. So it was down on Wednesday, up on Thursday, back down on Friday. And I got lucky and, and made some some short-term gains with some trades right around that time. Another thing that happened on Friday, August 22nd, is that Ralph Nader tweeted about Tesla's safety in regards to autopilot. Also, uh, Scott Galloway, I think he's a professor at NYU, if I'm not mistaken, put up a Twitter video where he talked about Tesla and said that uh, it was not an acquisition target and that he sees it going to below $100 per share. I don't remember the exact verbiage of everything, but that was the gist of of his little video on Twitter. He's a very smart dude. He knows what he's talking about a lot of times. He uh, He's also chimed in on WeWork and thinks that WeWork is not actually going to go public with their IPO, that it will get stopped before that happens. We'll see about that. Uh, yesterday, September the 5th, there was the news that apparently they're considering lowering the, the market value of WeWork to like $25 billion from $47 billion, which is what it was valued at in its last funding round. So that's a, a big news in financial media. Some people are saying that if if the WeWork IPO doesn't go through, that that could, could signal the top or the end of this bull market. Who knows what the actual case is. But back to the timeline. On that same Friday... August 22nd, Lynette Lopez of Business Insider put out an article about Project Titan, which was a secretive project by Tesla where they were inspecting some of their solar installations and replacing some parts. I'm not sure if it was that uh, specific M-phenyl connector thing that got a lot of a lot of news coverage that was being replaced, but it might have been. I don't remember all the details of that. Like I said, I was on vacation that week. Going back to the day before that, on Thursday, the 21st of August, David Tam- Tamperino apparently was no longer covering Tesla for Goldman Sachs. I'm not sure if he left Goldman Sachs completely or if he just moved to a different division. Uh, that's probably a pretty minor news item. And then jumping back to Friday, shortly after the market closed on Friday, the 22nd of August, there was news that there was an, a, another fire at a Solar City installation at an Amazon facility. So Walmart and Amazon both have experienced fires from Solar City installations. A couple of pretty big retailers there, needless to say. And then late Either late Sunday, August 26th, or early Monday, August 27th. I don't remember the exact timing. 
There was a most excellent piece published in Vanity Fair by Bethany McLean, or McLean, I don't know if it's McLean or McLean, but she, of course, is the author of Smartest Guys in the Room, which was the definitive book on the Enron scandal. Tesla Bulls, of course, claimed that she was overly influenced by Jim Chanos because he also was involved uh, with shorting Enron back in the day successfully and recognizing it for the fraud that it was. And I'm sure she talked to him some in in doing research for her book. And maybe she talked to him some before this article. I don't know. But uh, she did cite Tesla charts in the article, who, of course, had his excellent thread in June of 2018 about Solar City and how it was a bailout for Elon and his cousins. And apparently was the the impetus behind Elon tweeting at Tesla charts in June of 2018 and asking him, how big is your short position? Which I asked him about back in January when I interviewed him. And she also cited David Robinson, who's a local Buffalo reporter. Uh, but but in general, the focus of her article was Solar City, how how it was a bailout for Solar City when Tesla acquired them, and how the solar roof is not actually a product yet that's ready for the mainstream. Things that Tesla Q Twitter has been talking about for a very long time. Things that are part of the reason that Tesla charts became a Tesla skeptic in the first place by his initial recognition when Elon, quote, unveiled the solar roof tiles. His recognition that it was not an actual product that was ready at that point. Uh, I mean, there were no connectors. It was just basically a tile. It was definitely not ready, and that's clear to everyone now in retrospect. I will note that despite how excellent that article was, it had no apparent impact on the share price in the uh, immediate period after publishing. An ironic tweet from Monday, August 27th from Omar Kazi or Tesla underscore truth slash Steve Jobs ghost. He uh, had a tweet suggesting that the use of the term full self-driving shouldn't be taken literally. This is very ironic considering Elon's turbo tweet from uh, the 5th of September, which wasn't too long after. Uh, There was a a great article from Russ Mitchell. I don't remember the exact day. I think it might have been around the 26th or 27th of August where he talked about full self-driving revenue recognition. It might have actually been a lot before that. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast yet, but it was a good article. And moving backwards again uh, to Saturday, the 24th of August, uh, Mr. Linwood, the attorney for Vern Unsworth, had a tweet where he tweeted about the fact that he had just deposed Elon on Thursday, the 22nd of August, and said that he looked forward to that being uh, made public so that everyone could see that the emperor has no clothes, which is... Not surprising to anyone in Tesla Q, I'm sure. Didn't want to miss that. My notes here are a little bit out of order as I've put them together over the course of a couple different days. Some handwriting and some typing. <laughs> so in the in the same spirit, moving forward again to Thursday, August 29th, there was a great Bloomberg article from Dana Hull where she talked about several individual houses who had experienced solar city induced fires and i think there were lawsuits associated with those 
that article subsequently got picked up by the Seattle Times and the Los Angeles Times. So I saw it in both those places as well. Same day, the 29th of August, Vaclav Smil, who is one of uh, Bill Gates' favorite thinkers about use of materials and such, if I'm not mistaken, and how we need to be more efficient with that for a more sustainable future. There, He was giving a speech or talk somewhere, and he referred to Elon as a, quote, fraudster extraordinaire. So that obviously tickled the confirmation bias of some Tesla Q people. I think it was that very same night when Elon Musk was in China and was on stage with Jack Ma talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, there were lots of lots of parts of that video that were interesting, with especially if you looked at Jack Ma and saw his reaction sitting next to Elon Musk as Elon rambled or or fidgeted or scratched in a manner that. Uh, looked like he may have been under some influence of something or other. Friday, the 30th of August, there was a pre-market pump of some sort for Tesla. I don't remember exactly what that was. Oh yeah, I think it was the China stuff. That Elon was going to have some sort of a China pump with his trip over there was not at all a surprise. It's pretty pretty much telegraphed in advance. Another funny thing that happened on Twitter on August 30th, right around the end of the trading day, was that Jack Dorsey apparently got hacked. I think his, I think he was possibly at Burning Man, which is probably where Elon went after he got back from China. Also on Friday the 30th of August, J.D. Power tweeted about Elon not giving them information about uh, their customers to allow them to, to send out surveys, so that's why... No Tesla vehicles are ever covered by J.D. Power and Associates. So just a little piece of information on that. Don't remember the exact date or if this is new news, but there is an ongoing audit of Tesla's Buffalo location. I don't think it was prompted by Bethany McLean's article, but it is ongoing right now. I think it was on. I think it was already going on before that. On. Monday, September 2nd, there was a Financial Times Alphaville piece about Tesla's solar roof distraction. I think it covered a lot of the same things as Bethany McLean's article, probably with some other angles and aspects that would be very familiar to Tesla Q people. A little one thing that I did miss from my notes earlier. On Tuesday, August 27th, SpaceX had their their little hop with the star hopper actually it was a pretty big hop. It was like a hundred supposed to be 150 meters. Don't want to fail to mention that in the podcast for posterity. So August 27th, 2019 Boca Chica, Texas star hopper hopped about 150 feet. It actually was fairly impressive. Uh, I think the main thing that it showed was that the Raptor engine is quite capable. I don't know if, they're eventually going to have like 30-something of those engines on the big freaking rocket, whatever its new name is. Starship is the, the overall name for the the booster plus the, the thing that's supposed to be on top, which they sort of modeled with the, the Starhopper, but I don't think the aerodynamics lined up exactly or nowhere close to exactly, actually. And what reminded me to go back to mention that is that on Monday, September 2nd, there was news out that SpaceX 
had failed to move one of their satellites out of the way. It was apparently going to be coming into close uh, proximity to another satellite. I think it was a European satellite. And it's not clear if Tesla just, or if SpaceX just refused to move it, or if their communication system uh, or communication protocols within their company just failed to notify the proper people to request that it be moved. Uh, Or maybe their thrusters are broken and they couldn't move. I don't know. I don't know what the full story is, but apparently they didn't move their satellite out of the way. On Tuesday, the 3rd of September, Edmonds had a nice tweet, and I'll, I'll just quote it here. Hashtag Tuesday thoughts. Tesla buyers accept constant OTA updates for systems they are told outright are still in development, and they trust their lives to those systems. They do this because of Mr. Musk and Mr. Musk alone. And then they included uh, a GIF with, with the, the guy whose mind is blowing. Uh, when I first saw that tweet, I think it only had four retweets and 10 likes after being tweeted like three or four hours earlier, which seemed like exceptionally low engagement to me. So I retweeted it and said, how did this excellent, excellent tweet not have more engagement? And as of now, it has 92 retweets and 274 likes. So it got a lot more engagement after that. I don't know if it was being actively suppressed by Twitter and maybe my retweet helped unlock that or or what, but it did ultimately end up getting a lot more action, mostly from Tesla Q people, admittedly. So maybe we are just an echo chamber. Maybe our message isn't getting out into the mainstream. But based on the Bethany McLean article in Vanity Fair and other articles getting out into the mainstream, I'm not sure that we're entirely just an echo chamber. I think there are smart people listening to us and recognizing that we are not idiots. What we're saying makes lots of sense. Uh, we're, we're not crazy. Uh, we are on the lookout for public safety, capital market safety, etc., etc., etc. One thing that we didn't see that I expected to see was a form four for JB Straubel for his end of August sales. So since I think November of 2018, month after month, without fail, on either the 26th day or 28th or 29th day of the month, J.B. Straubel had sold 15,000 shares of Tesla stock. Some of it was options exercises, but I think he finished those off in June of 2019 here. So for July, actually, I think it was mid-June that those options finished off. So I think May may have been the last month of options. So for June and July, he sold shares outright. And I think he had filed a Form 144 with the intent to sell 60,000 shares. But we didn't see an end of August Form 4 yet. Obviously, he left. uh, It was announced at their last quarterly report call that he was stepping down as chief technology officer. So it's very possible that he simply doesn't He's not required to file a Form 4 anymore for his sales. That's that's more likely than him having not gone through with his regularly scheduled 15,000 shares per month sold. But no Form 4 yet. On Wednesday, the 4th of September, someone, I don't, I'm not sure who it was, but someone found that Deepak Ahuja, the former CFO of Tesla, before he stepped down on the late January 
quarterly conference call. He's apparently now a senior advisor for Capricorn Investment Groups. I did a little bit of additional searching on LinkedIn, and it looks to me like they are probably still invested in Tesla. So regardless of whatever his inside knowledge might be, my guess is Capricorn Investment Groups probably still holds some Tesla shares. That same day, the Wednesday, the 4th of September, Edmonds asked me, uh, since I'd since my account had gotten them some more engagement on that other tweet, they asked me if I would help them with another one. And this, this new tweet was about the take on or take, take hand, take on need to need to get the true pronunciation down. I think take on sounds more correct. Galileo Russell said take hand and kind of, I thought he sounded a little bit funny with his pronunciation of it, but regardless, uh, they said, we went out for a ride in the all-new Porsche Taycan EV and came out with a singular thought. This is a Tesla killer. So, despite the fact that I am not on the Big Edmonds payroll, I did I did go, go ahead and retweet that. That tweet got a lot of engagement subsequently, mostly from Tesla Q, I'm sure, because we're just an echo chamber of crazy people. Whatever. So it seems that both Edmonds and J.D. Power and Associates are not the biggest fans of Tesla, which is not not a huge surprise to me. But uh, Wednesday was a pretty big day with Tesla. The The big news was that Porsche revealed their take on officially. Many people use the term Tesla killer. I actually didn't see Tesla Q people using the term Tesla killer. Edmonds used it. There's probably some other media coverage that used that term. Uh, there was media coverage all over the place for the Taycan. The main talking point from Tesla bulls seemed to be that it's a whole lot more expensive than the top of the line Model S with ludicrous mode. And they sounded to me to be kind of scared and dismissive. I saw that Galileo put out a, a Taycan video. Marcus Brownlee, I think is the the other guy's name, who got to go out to Fremont and do a sit-down interview with Elon he had a take on video. He actually seemed a lot more reasonable with his take on, on it than Galileo. Galileo seemed to be fully dismissive and and uh, somewhat scared, or indirectly scared, I would say. Uh, later in the day, after the market closed on Wednesday, Elon tweeted something about vehicle emissions and breathing them in if you're behind another vehicle in traffic. Um, and he... <laughs> He tweeted from his own account, replying to the Tesla account, which appeared to have been tweeted from his phone, most likely. So he was sort of talking to himself. And it seemed to be directly because of the Taycan release. And he even alluded to the Dieselgate from Volkswagen. And it should be noted, of course, that Porsche is owned by the Volkswagen Group, which also owns Lamborghini and several other brands. So, uh... Just something to keep in mind. Another thing that came out on Wednesday, the 4th of September, was the NTSB report about a crash that involved a Tesla that was using autopilot and a fire truck. So, quick quick summary of the scene. There was a, a prior crash, so the, the fire truck was stationary at an angle in the lane. The Tesla apparently was following behind another car. The other car moved over to the right lane to avoid the fire truck and the Tesla 
on autopilot, didn't see it in time, and ran into the fire truck. It actually accelerated, I think, from like 20 miles per hour to th- about 30 miles per hour at the impact with the fire truck. There's there's lots of details in the report. I recommend reading it. The There was a little bit of a, a share price decline when that report came out, and NTSB didn't directly start calling for this, but Based on that report, there were a number of organizations that started to call for an autopilot recall. I have doubts that that'll happen anytime soon, but the fact that people are are suggesting it is not a nothing burger. And as has been mentioned before, if I'm not mistaken, there are insurance companies that deny coverage to Tesla vehicles if they have autopilot installed. And that's their prerogative as private entities who have actuaries and have run the numbers and have some, some degree of data. Obviously Tesla's big claim is that they have much more data than the insurance companies. Cause they have all this autopilot data that they're collecting all the time in shadow mode and their autopilot makes vehicles so much safer per their, per what they claim. If the actual data bears that out, I have no idea because Tesla is extremely opaque Release the data, show us that it's safer, and maybe I'll start to believe you, Elon. But until you do that, I am highly doubtful. And it's not like these insurance companies have no data. So they clearly have data. The The fact that some insurance companies have been denying coverage of Teslas that have autopilot is probably a big reason that Tesla released their insurance product, which actually, again... Sorry, out of order. Tesla Insurance was released on Wednesday, the 28th of August. And it was released very, very shortly. And the immediate, in, immediately after it was released, there were re- tons of reports from Tesla owners that the quotes they were getting were for amounts that were higher dollar amounts than what they were already paying for insurance. So with that preponderance of people putting that out on the internet, making it public knowledge, Tesla actually took down their site and said they were fixing the algorithm. And the site ended up being down for about a day or day and a half or two days or something, but it did eventually come back on. I haven't dug in deeply since then to say for sure, but there were some people that were saying that it seemed that um, the default level of coverage was lower than what people would typically desire to give the illusion that Tesla's insurance was cheaper than other offerings. And it should be noted that Tesla insurance is actually some other company's insurance, but Tesla is just reselling it basically. Uh, with the initial release on Wednesday, the 28th, it, there were, there were several Tesla influencers, I'll quote unquote say, And apparently they were getting quotes that were lower than what they're currently paying. But most, quote, normal people or common folks were getting quotes that were higher. So I guess that's why they had to fix their algorithm and change things up. Haven't heard any update this week about it, hardly. So back from Wednesday of last week to Wednesday of this week, the fourth, the third major news item that came out that day came out at about 
2.45 or 2.50 p.m. And that was the Inside EV's August U.S. deliveries estimate. And it was like 13,150 Model 3s, something like that. And then some Model S's and Model X's. But basically it was a year-over-year decline. And subsequently the share price fell quite a bit. On Thursday, the 5th of September, Tesla's share price rose almost 4% on the day, just right after the August delivery numbers came out the very day before, and they closed and it closed at about 229 a share on Thursday. And this was mostly driven by the overall market, particularly it looked to me like hardware companies were getting a big boost on Thursday. I'm not exactly sure what aspect of the whole China trade war and tariffs drove that, but Tesla on Thursday seemed to get a huge, huge benefit from the overall market. Not sure why the market completely forgot about the August deliveries estimates from the very day before and the NTSB report from the day before and the Porsche Taycan reveal. And of course, the market's totally forgotten about the Walmart lawsuit and the Amazon fire that was revealed shortly after the Walmart lawsuit and the Bethany McLean article in Vanity Fair. But all those things are still still out there. Um, and even even with Thursday's 4% rise for Tesla's share price, Elon seemed to be pretty triggered after hours. Uh, at about 7 p.m., he tweeted that the Model S would be going to the Nürburgring next week. Uh, and a bit before that, he had tweeted that Porsche was misusing the term turbo, which I actually agreed with him a, a bit on that. Because a turbocharger is a a device that uses the exhaust of an internal combustion engine to increase the intake pressure into the cylinders. So I and and I understand that because he uses a turbocharger, a proper turbocharger like that, as part of his rocket engines, he's very familiar with that term. So I understand where he's coming from, but. There are many other parts of the language where the, the the word turbo gets used for all sorts of different things. So it's definitely not a hill that I would die on. But Elon getting caught up on semantics is very ironic and has subsequently backfired. As people pointed out, well, what does autopilot mean, Elon? What does supercharger mean, Elon? What does giga mean, Elon? So that's kind of gotten thrown back in his face a lot. So moving on to Friday, the 6th of September, there was a pretty boring price action for Tesla. And surprisingly to me, even though the market as a whole was down a fair amount, at least the, the companies that I follow closely were down a lot towards the end of the day, Tesla was only pulled down a little bit by that. So Tesla ended the week at like 227.45, I think was the closing price on Friday. So five cents under the uh, 227.50 weekly option strike prices. The only um, news items that I noticed of note that on uh, Friday were that apparently Elon has not reserved, Elon or Tesla has not reserved time at the Nürburgring next week to do their lap time. And uh, Roden Track tracked that down and wrote a, a little article about it. Apparently uh, the members of the public can pay to do a lap at the Nürburgring uh, to 
reserve the Nurburgring to have the track clear to like if you're going to be trying to break a lap time record like Elon seemingly would be trying to do next week. You have to schedule that in advance and it's quite a bit more expensive to do that than to just take your your car for one lap. So most of the time there's actually traffic on the Nurburgring. So you have to avoid whatever cars are out there like a van or a motorcycle or some souped up car of some sort, all sorts of things. But uh, the other main thing I noticed today was just the preponderance of the bulls that seem to be triggered. Uh, there's one guy that's got a YouTube channel who likes to wear cowboy hats. I, I guess he's friends with Kimball or something. Uh, he, he was talking about the Porsche Taycan and imply, and I forget his exact verbiage, but he basically was questioning whether Porsche would put out a quality vehicle. Um, it's like almost like he didn't know that Porsche has been in business for years and years and years and has a, a long history of putting out quality vehicles. Galileo, I think in his video, he mentioned that he doesn't think that Porsche is going to be able to make a profit selling the Taycan when apparently Porsche averages about $17,000 of profit on each vehicle they sell. And I think that might actually be net profit, not gross margin, like, like has often been calculated for Tesla vehicles. Other than those couple little things, I didn't didn't notice any big news items on Friday, September the 6th. So, sorry it's been so long since I did an episode. It's hard to hard to regain momentum once you've lost it, but this is my attempt to get back in the game, get back onto a more regularly scheduled podcast release pattern, and hopefully I'll have not have 3 weeks that I'm trying to cover in a single episode anytime again soon. As always, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash podcast and go to evacuationboy.com for shorty merchandise. And I appreciate you listening. Sorry it's been so long. And we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.